It's hard to believe I've been in the spoiler room for three years, yet here we are. As I look at my crew, I begin to think about what to do for our third special series of episodes. Then I look at the calendar and realize it's the third week of the month. And I look down at my drink and realize it's the third drink I've had today. After a moment, it hits me like a fist of John Wick. Everyone talks about the first film, but what about the third film in a franchise? So, pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in to our third special series of episodes I like to call Third Time's a Charm. She was on the Muppets. She had to do it. She did do it on the Muppets, didn't she? Yep. Sure did. Uh, We're just going to start this right away. They had a Muppet character that was supposedly a security guard from like the bank or Fort Knox or something like that. Oh, oh nice. Going crazy. Yeah, just yeah. telling me that we're doing a podcast and I should watch. <laughs> and then like Bunsen does an experiment and was turning gold into cottage cheese. And oh, nice. So there's like this gold covered cottage cheese. And he, this is cottage cheese. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> Because it's Bunsen, because so he doesn't really care that he took something incredibly valuable and turned it into a, like a health food. It's sure. the fact that he did it that makes him happy. The, the value changing means nothing to him. <laughs> uh, so here we are live in the spoiler room. Thank you for joining us this evening. It is third time's a charm. It's the third week of the month, and we are continuing our special series. And tonight it is the third James Bond film, Goldfinger. Yes, from 1964. And tonight, to talk about this third James Bond film, I have a great crew with me. First off, we have the BFD, Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Hi. You going to sing a few bars of Goldfinger for us? No, gold I don't bars? think I will. <laughs> ah. Are they gold bars to sing? Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> And that voice you also heard here is uh, Doctavius himself. Uh, Stevens with us tonight. Hello, Doc. Hello. Uh, and yes, we are talking 1964, the third James Bond film that also starred Mr. Sean Connery in the title of James Bond and Goldfinger. Stop. Look. He's gunning for trouble. 007. It spells... Shocking. He's the idol of every woman. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. The envy of every man. The nemesis of the treacherous Mr. Goldfinger. Isn't it customary to grant the condemned man his last request? You've asked for this. 
come and purr over Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore. <laughs> the female who is all feline. Also starring Gert Roper as Goldfinger. International cheat. International menace. Gentlemen! Goldfinger, why weren't we told the New York and the West Coast were in on this? Goldfinger, I made a delivery. Where is my money? And you owe me one million bucks. Goldfinger, the man with a finger in every pie. His goal, Fort Knox, the world's biggest bank. His enemy, 007, the world's wiliest, toughest gentleman agent with a license to kill. 007, it spells... Bond. James Bond, mixing business with girls and thrills. Girls and fun. Girls and danger. The hotter the danger, the cooler he takes it. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Now, Goldfinger, uh, yeah, we, we've kind of been hitting a little bit of a hit or miss with some of these uh, third in the series episodes so far, as far as who liked them and who didn't. So, Doc, we're going to start with you, Goldfinger. Uh, how do you uh, how do you feel about Goldfinger? In general, it's 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 I would say it's a good film. Um, Connery's still he 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 has it I think locked in at this point. So, and to some degree, I think they've got the formula established. Mm-hmm. But at the same, so so they've they've hit that weird balance of we think we know how to f- make these now, but it's before they get to the point where they become a little too maybe like self indulgent or, or or they try to start branching out in in different directions or anything like that where it gets kind of weird maybe yeah no I think this is this this is I think by a lot of people this is like when you say name a Bond film I think Goldfinger is one of the ones that pops up in part because of the song. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, this is there's a lot going on in this. It's it's interesting, certainly. Yep. And uh, Glenn, how about you? How do you feel about Goldfinger? Your initial thoughts before we dig into it. Which is one of my favorite Bond films. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and why why is it one of your favorite Bond films? Odd job. Oh yeah. Good reason. Yeah, that's that's a really good reason, and we'll get and, into odd. We'll and it's in- also the the first first uh aston martin yes yes uh we'll actually get into a lot of that uh with goldfinger here and for those of you who aren't familiar with the story of goldfinger it's uh james bond who's investigating a a gold uh i guess you could call him just this really rich guy who really loves gold Uh, huh he's a collector He's a collector. Yes, he collects a lot of gold. And James Bond uncovers a plot by this individual, Mr. Goldfinger, to contaminate the gold at Fort Knox. (laughs) You know, uh, one thing I love about especially these early Bond films 
are these storylines that they come up with and and you know goldfinger's motivation of why he wanted to do this i thought i thought it was just real interesting glenn what you how'd you feel or what'd you think about uh, goldfinger's motivation of his, his what he actually wanted to do to fort knox yeah it it's that's crazy billing for you <laughs> But I mean, it, it, it just out of the blue. I mean, and here we're also on American soil. Uh, were the other two? I don't remember. I don't think the other two went to the U.S. at all, did they? That no. was no. So this is the first Bond film we get uh, where it takes place mostly in the U.S., which yes, I found though, it. Though no one ever set foot there. <laughs> yes, all filmed on sets at Pinewood Studios. If I read yes. that correctly. Uh, good old Pinewood, but they did uh, replicate Fort Knox apparently very accurately. <laughs> and the KFC and from the, the K- outside. <laughs> from the, it was good yes. to see the colonel. <laughs> good to see the colonel in in uh, Her Majesty's land there. Uh, so so here we have we have Sean Connery as James Bond and and uh, Doc, you already touched on it, but we'll we'll go a little bit further. Uh, Sean Connery hitting his stride and and thinking he I think he's got the handle of how he wants to play his James Bond character. Uh, Glenn, would you agree with that that uh, Connery really kind of found his bond now and has really embraced it by this time? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Mm-hmm. Is this too where we see a lot more of the, I guess, characteristics of Bond that carry out through even today's Bond? Would you, uh, you know, some of those characteristics? Do you think he he kind of established that, and they just they've ran with that ever since? I think so. I, I think Connery was was the first one to really kind of make the role his own, mm-hmm. um, and just so much of that kind of stuck. It's just kind of like this is what James Bond is. This is who he is. In a way, although I, I do like that they actually toned down some of the original language. Um, I think one of my favorites was when he first meets Pussy Galore. He ends up saying, um, I forget what, what he actually replies. Oh, I must be dreaming. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the original the original line was, um, he said, I know you are, but what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I that was barely too suggestive for 1964. <sighs> Uh, just a little bit, yeah. Well, I mean, when you have a character named Pussy Galore, they and of course he doesn't call her Miss Galore throughout the entire picture. Bond calls her Pussy. Yes, Pushy. <laughs> Pushy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, how about you with Connor? You said he's hitting his stride. Would you say he pretty much established the blueprint by now with Gold, especially his portrayal of Bond and Goldfinger that? we still see even today in the new bond films um i would say so there was a there were a few moments where i was watching it and i had kind of a daniel craig kind of okay you know that's kind of where that came from thing mm-hmm. and and admittedly while we all know connery wasn't the first uh performer to be bond on screen the first one on the movie screen certainly uh, barry nelson was the first uh, Bond on uh, he appeared on TV playing Bond as the American he's supposed to be, um, but beyond that you've got you got the Aston Martin in here you got the shaking that stirred moment happens, um, just being one step ahead most of the time but not always all the time and some of the, and the and the action most of the fights they're not uh, cinematic fights they're more 
a little more brutal, a little more realistic. Obviously, we take them to a different degree now uh, than we would have in 1964, but they're they're mostly one punch and down fights, and they can look kind of they, they they don't they look sincere, if not necessarily brutal, like they wouldn't. You know, Daniel Craig punching a guy down a flight of steps now, but yeah. You know, everything, you know, things change and they stay the same and they stay the same as they change. So they really just seem to get the feel of who Bond was. Not only Sean Connery, but the director and writers of the film seem to really have gotten what works and everything kind of clicks in this film. And so you get a Bond and, of course, he goes through a rather, (laughs) rather large number of female characters cast in this movie uh what like four i think in this one that that we actually have where they have like spoken lines because you've got the uh classic bond opening where you get a little scene that sometimes is related sometimes is in before the credits and you've got the dancer there who he uh almost gets offed on yes then then you have the famous goldfinger girl the the girl covered in gold uh that one is uh, Shirley Eaton was yeah. that she didn't get a lot of screen time, but she she's on the famous poster. And then uh, uh, Tanya Mallet playing uh, Tilly Masterson, her sister. She doesn't last too long <laughs> till we get to a uh, pussy galore. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> and her flying circus and and her flying circus of bomb uh, blonde bombshells, if you will. <laughs> As soon as I saw the sign of Sousa merch was going through my head, I couldn't help it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this film really did establish a lot of your common Bond tropes that carried on years, decades after this, even down to your uh, female character with the rather suggestive name played (laughs) by uh, Honor Blackman. Glenn, uh, what are your thoughts on Pushy Galore? I I was a fan of the old Avengers series, and I know she quit that to do this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I had never known until a friend of mine told me was the they actually had a nod to it in an episode of the Avengers, where oh, that's right her her character uh, was it was uh, God what was it uh, Kathy Gale Kathy Kathy Gates right Gale, Gale. Kathy Gale, Gale. they uh, John uh, John Steed received a Christmas card from her. Sent from Fort Knox. Yes. <laughs> yes. During the, um, during the Emma Peel series. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, and just, I mean, it, I mean, and yeah, the suggestive names of the, of the characters. And I just, Honor Blackman, I love. I mean, the fact that, oh God, she was one of my favorite characters in Cockneys versus Zombies. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, I was expecting us to go there. Cool. Yeah. That's, you know. Um, just, yeah, it's, I mean, and the thing is, is there's so many people that, I mean, she's been in so many things that people don't even realize. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, she's been active for what almost well over 60 years, I believe. Oh yeah. Cause yeah, yeah. we're talking 64 and then she was in the Avengers the year well, she, before this. She started in 1947. Wow. Wow. So very established by this time. True. Yeah, I mean, the last thing she did was in 2015. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, okay. oh yeah, I mean, she she was on uh, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. 
Tons of British. Series. Oh, that's right. She was in. Oh, that's Professor right. Lansky, Trial of the Time Lord. She, yeah, she was in the Connor, uh, Colin Colin Baker series. That's right. The, the, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, and it, she tries to use kung fu on him too, and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, not on the doctor on the on the on the vervoids. Yes, Zero the vervoids. Got it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I liked her character. What'd you think of her as a Bond girl, though, Glenn? I mean, she she's the first one I think that doesn't exactly swoon immediately for oh Bond, yeah no, he's definitely more of a independent woman i guess or, mm-hmm. or more a stronger woman despite her her obviously ridiculous name <laughs> which may be what made her even a stronger woman i mean and she stays pretty strong throughout resist you know staying resistant to mr bond's charms for the most part uh which you know I think is good for you. Actually, need that for a female Bond girl, and I think some films have had that kind of lacking with actually being a, having a strong female character. What about you, Doc? Would you say Pussy Galore kind of set also the standard for your Bond girl? Yeah, I I, I would say so in a lot of ways because she, as you know, it, in to some degree we are speaking relatively certainly sure. um what's what's a strong character strong female character from 1964 in a lot of ways to some people would look as it's still incredibly regressive in a lot of mm-hmm. ways but for the time period i would say definitely she comes across as independent she comes across as very strong-willed as you noted she's not immediately you know just looking at bond and getting googly-eyed um the way she seems to get kind of turn to the side of good shall we say is is definitely awkward based on on yeah. our eyes um <laughs> for, for the eyes of someone in 1964 a little less so perhaps sure. because you know we are looking at you know about 20 years after world war ii about not quite 20 years after korea so a lot of these activities are looked upon in a different manner than we would look upon them now but for the time period definitely i would say so she's a she's a very strong character for that time period well, goes, I mean, toe to go, goes toe to toe with him. She does go toe to toe to him, uh, with him. But also, I mean, she she stands out. I think too because this film, it is the '60s yet, and and times are still trying to just start to change. But this is a rather misogynistic film if you look at it <laughs> in, in in some ways. The way in Bond is, you know, I'm not saying like. Visually, it's just that bond, like all the girls seem all the girls except Pussy Galore, just like, oh, James, you, you know, her and Money Penny, you know, uh, Money Penny as well. But just the overall how he handled like uh, that opening scene where he's he's kissing the dancer and he sees the guy in the reflection of her eyes, which I thought was a great shot. It is. But Glenn, what does he do to avoid getting punched by the guy uh, in the opening? I forget. He, he, spin, he spins her oh, around oh, so yeah. she takes the weapon. And but because there's the part of me that that goes, ooh, yeah, you know, that's awkward. At the same time, there's a part of me that reads that as okay, this is Bond who that it's not so much that he's like, Well, I'm gonna beat up on some women now. It's more of a I don't care. He, oh yeah, guy. It could have been a guy. That could have been a, a gal. At that point, it's just nope. This is how I'm going to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And 
to some degree, he he's, he kind of plays a character to be that suave, sophisticated international playboy guy. And at the same time, he's got that steel underneath him that just goes, he has to do what he has to do. It's for the mission. He doesn't care. And again, that's there are guys from, you know, who are watching this in 64 going, okay, I remember when I was in the war and we had to do some things. And sure. you didn't know if you were coming back and if you had a chance to snuggle up on some attractive woman, you were going to take a chance to snuggle up on some attractive woman because you don't know if you're going to get back to your lady at home if you had one. So right. to some degree, he's their wish fulfillment that that would have continued in a suave, sophisticated manner as opposed to being in some, you know, most likely most of those guys were in some dirty, <laughs> you know, foxhole somewhere yeah. just wishing that there would be ladies for them to snuggle up against, whereas Bond had that. And some of it is, you know, it's just, you know, that's that, you know, even to what you were talking about before about, you know, things that don't change. Daniel Craig has that, that level of don't care. Yeah. Um, if, I gotta kill, if you're going to get, if you're in the way, you're in the way of the mission, you got to go. Well, I got the impression too, though, that, I mean, there's very little, what I loved about that opening sequence too, there's very little dialogue mm-hmm. in it. You know, which which I really dug uh, how it pretty much was the music uh, carrying it and the action going on. But you get her and you almost get the impression she set him up. So at first you're like, oh, man, he just put her in the line of the punch. But at, then, you know, you go, she did set him up yeah, <laughs> to get killed. She very much did. She was very much the, the bait, shall we say. You know, she and so... I think that also justified that action. And, but, you know, I mean, throughout this film, he, you know, he is like alpha male and, and it's not till you get to pussy galore that, uh, yeah, he suddenly kind of has met his match, so to speak. And not only, not only is she his match, but she's in a position of power with her, uh, you know, her pilots, which, I could actually forgot that part of the film. <laughs> Glenn, how about you? What do you think of the uh, Pussy Galore and her flying uh, blonde? Uh, well, her flying uh, circus. Female, flying circus. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, does, does it surprise? Did it surprise you maybe a little bit for the time that this was made? That you know, she here she is in charge of basically an all female flight crew for the circus, where you know in that time you might still expect that to be a group of guys. Well, if, if we weren't making the James Bond movie, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, of course you're going to have a flight crew of all women. Cause it's bond, right? <laughs> <it's> bond. <laughs> you're, you're here for, you're here for bond women and a villain. That's what you're here for. And a villain. Yes. The villain Goldfinger played by Gert uh, Freub. Is that pronounced? Is that how you pronounce it, or Frob? Frob, Frob. It's yeah. German. It's German, but yes, because <laughs> because they they thought Orson Welles would be too expensive. Yeah, only to find out that Gert was gonna uh, cost him more. <laughs> yeah, by getting ten percent of the box office. <laughs> yeah, and and for box office, I mean, this was huge. Third grossing James Bond film of all time. Second, when you adjust for inflation. Well, it's nice. second. Yeah, it it beat it just beats Thunderball. Thunderball and it are kind of neck and neck as far as how much. Well, uh, Thunderball's comfortably ahead. Oh, is it? Okay. They, they were I, they were close in number of ticket sales. Uh, oh, Thunder, yeah. Thunder, Thunderball had. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Goldfinger sold 130 million tickets in the U.S. 
Uh, that's insane. Especially for 1964. <laughs> yeah. But which I love it. It, they, they sold 130, and to give you an idea of prices, they sold 130 million paid admissions. Mm-hmm. It made $51 million. Uh-huh. It's like a 50 cent ticket or something. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's 50 cents. Actually, it averages a less than that. It averages like, like 40 some cents a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so that this was a huge deal. And, and now you see with that box office from the U.S., you now know why they set the James Bond film in the U.S. for the most part. Because <laughs> uh, we get Felix as well, who shows up. Uh, yep. who, who was in Dr. No, but I don't believe we had a Felix in From Russia with Love. So this was a returning character. I believe he was missing from the second film. Uh, but you get a lot of returning characters in here. But going back to uh, Goldfinger, as Bond villains go, Glenn, what is your impression with Goldfinger as a villain? Uh, he's so-so. Um, <laughs> I mean, figure two. This is the first time for like Connery that we don't have uh, Blofeld, right? And, yeah. and the whole the whole Spectre no, and Spectre, mm-hmm. although they retconned that and said, you know, oh no, yeah, Goldfinger was a member of Spectre because he's apparently wearing a ring at some point, but they never mentioned anything. Um, I think he's an okay villain. He's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I mean the fact that I, I think he's overshadowed by Odd Job. Who really doesn't do a whole lot other than throw his hat like three times? Um, <laughs> that but, little uh, wrestling. What's that? Well, that, that was that, that propelled him out of wrestling into acting and gave True. him a whole new career. Well, the I, fact you, that he even went by a lot of things he's credited as Harold Oddjob. Uh, what's his yeah. last name? Uh, uh, Sakata. Yeah, yeah, Harold Oddjob Sakata. <laughs> I like the fact that his credit in the movie, though, has his real name and then his wrestling name after that. It's Tosh like, Togo? Yeah, Tosh yeah. Togo. Like, in the event you thought he looked familiar, this is why. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, the local, one of the PBS stations here in Milwaukee used to, on, like, Sunday nights, would run old wrestling matches. Really? Yeah. And I, uh, I saw uh, a wrestling match with him. Cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a multi-time tag champ, so mm-hmm. the NWA. <laughs> and he made one of the most memorable Bond villains, and he doesn't yeah. actually do much. You're right, but he's he's really a character. He throws Connery around pretty good in that last fight. Yeah, though. he does. Oh, he's yeah. Winning. He is winning that fight <laughs> until <is>. the end. <laughs> and then, just like that, he loses the fight. He forgets about conductivity. Yes. <laughs> well, well, he was beating them hand to hand. He didn't really need his hat. Right. No, yeah. but you know, he, but he sells the hat so well <laughs> because it's like all of a sudden Cattery comes with the hat and he's like, "Uh oh, you have my hat. I'm in trouble now." Because that hat is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, is- you can see in his face. You look at his face and he's like, "Oh crap, <laughs> this could actually be a problem." <laughs> He does. You actually get a little bit of emotion out of him. Up until then, he's kind of the cold, uh, you know, hitman, whatever, you know, odd job guy for Goldfinger. <laughs> but in that moment, Korean. yeah, I see that, it, the air quotes you can't see, but Korean, yes. Man's Korean. Hawaii of Japanese descent, but he's playing a Korean. It's he's okay. Got, 
He's he's from Korea. At least he's uh, not from Nebraska. It's 1964. We should be thankful they have someone who has some Asian blood in them playing someone who's supposed to be Asian. This is exactly <laughs> my point. I'm agree. That's exactly yeah. what I'm trying it to. Could, it could have been Mickey Rooney. <laughs> because a <of> joke. <laughs> Son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> our job is and this is again is 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 that point where it established so much of that of those bond tropes because odd job really is that villain you know that that henchman guy that you see later on only uh exaggerated in a lot of other bond films after this especially when you get to kind of get into the roger moore era uh <laughs> where the henchmen are just just way over the top here uh, there's subtlety to them because it made sense i think with the goldfinger character to have a guy like odd job yes. you know who who was quiet you know basically followed orders and was actually pretty scary yeah <laughs> he, he's rather intimidating gentleman you know so whereas goldfinger yeah, he. You're right. As far as Bond villains go, I I would have to say that he he is kind of though he does get the moment with the laser on the table, you know, which is you, iconic. You know, what do you expect me to do? You know, no, Mister Bond, I expect you to die. You know, <laughs> it's like he gets this one line that's just just iconic that you see that scene over and over again. Yeah. Doc, how about you with uh, Goldfinger? How'd you feel about him as a villain? Versus say Aja. Um, I, 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 Goldfinger is manages to be crazy in a normal enough way, mm -hmm. and that's I think his advantage is that if if you were just mingling at a party and met this guy with this weird name, you go okay, that guy's kind of unusual, but he's not. He doesn't walk into a room and immediately just go. You go that there's something wrong with that guy. <laughs> Unlike you know, odd job, we well, like, well, not even well, not even with odd job. No, because there, there are, like you've said, there are other you know villains where you you they'd walk in and you'd go, okay, that's clearly the bad guy in this film. He, <laughs> or a Goldfinger can at least blend. Mm -hmm. He can be mellow. He apparently owns a golf club, and odd job gets more points because he knows how to cheat at golf. Yes. <laughs> This the scene. There's a scene, folks, where uh, Bond, rather than doing the poker scene like you would get between Bond and said supervillain, he plays golf against Mister Goldfinger. And of course, Goldfinger, being the bad guy, cheats and with the help of Oddjob, who uh, Goldfinger loses a ball in the rough, and while they're walking around looking for it, Oddjob drops one down his leg. <laughs> and yep. Like, oh, oh, here it is. Uh, <laughs> Hey, look, you see the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, not, it, that's not his ball. I'm standing on his ball, <laughs> which sounds painful when you say it like that. <laughs> it does sound painful. Bond is stepping on Goldfinger's ball. Uh, I'm, I, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not that sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not, you're not that sorry. <clears throat> anyway. Anyway, but yeah, I, I love that whole scene. But you're right. You're right. Here we still have Bond villains that feel normal enough that they're not they don't feel like they're ripped out of a comic book yet he's a gentleman yes to a degree but you know, he's but got he's, quarters for bond that just turns out that it's a cell underneath a stable you know things like that 
which I love that scene. Bond gets captured by Goldfinger and he takes him to his ranch because Bond manages to talk his way out of death. The, the one of many, many times he's able to do this with the villain. And, you know, why are you monologuing? Let's just get a gun and shoot him. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, Austin Powers flashback. But uh, I loved how they put Bond in this dungeon. And Glenn, you remember the, the reaction that Bond has by being put in this actual dungeon cell? <laughs> the look on his face. Did you notice it at all? He almost looks insulted, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I just It's something that I noticed when they were putting him down there. It was like, wait, Bond looks like he's insulted that they're putting him in an actual stone dungeon room. <laughs> of course, Gold, Goldfinger doesn't invest in the best other henchmen because, you know, Bond does what he does best and, and escapes. And that's when we get this grandmaster plan from from Goldfinger. And I, I still think, on the whole, even though he he's not a great villain, he feels like a realistic villain up until the nuclear gold part. <laughs> Would you say at least, Glenn, that he's, he's a realistic villain more so than, say, later Bond villains? And some of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't doesn't have his you know gigantic volcano lair with sixteen thousand uh, jumpsuited minions and, but yeah, no, I I think he's a little more believable. Mm-hmm. At least the, the way they set up his character, uh, yeah, you know, uh, and so and, and the way he's played as well. In, in general, this I think this is before Bond really uh, it takes off and gets gets zany. And uh, yeah, he's got this grand plan to nuke, to irradiate the gold, so his gold gets higher in value, and they throw the U.S. into economic turmoil. Uh, which he gets his funding by an interesting method. Doc, what'd you think about the group where Goldfinger got his money from? The organized crime families of the U.S. Did they seem like cliched gangsters? <laughs> I, he wasn't getting the money from them. He was he had used them to get materials for. Oh, that's the, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for the for the attack on Fort Knox. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they come out of the straight out of a Jim Jimmy Cagney film, um, by and large, um, and don't last long. But be, it, it's the it seems like it's the Chinese uh, primarily that are putting or, or at least helping uh, fund this. They they're the ones that have come up with the. Uh, with the dirty bomb, I think you're the, the device as he puts it. And I, I, I felt bad because I didn't notice it during the film, but then I was, as the credits went by, was the scientist that developed that was that Burt Kwok? I think so. I'm like, oh, I saw that. I saw his name fly by, and I'm like, oh, I feel bad. I miss Burt. I love that guy. <laughs> He's so awesome. Even with you know, he was he was Cato on in the Pink Panther films. He was on. Yeah. He was on. Um, uh, last of the summer wine for over a decade, I think, in Britain. That, well, that that sitcom ran for for almost ever. But so yeah, he's. I like that guy. He was a good actor. But uh, beyond, beyond that, though, yeah, the the gangsters are <laughs> ridiculous. Was, they was, they they make Goldfinger seem that much more almost more normal at that point because they are just hey, how you doing? You know, it's it's, it's very. 
very we're going to go start vegas you know <laughs> glenn would you agree with the uh i guess this would be kind of the british interpretation of the american organized crime family <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> down to the zoot suits and uh fedoras yeah uh, hey, hey why, why is why is the pool table moving oh my yeah, god they, they get excited about every damn thing anyway <laughs> what's going on what's going on <laughs> like wow you yeah. guys really are they haven't seen technology change in 20 years so that they don't know yeah <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but in general uh this film overall for goldfinger uh I, I think I can see why a lot of people really enjoy it. You know, it, it's, I, I think this is out of the three, a little bit of the better ones, better constructed ones. I mean, uh, as far as the story goes, the story really, even though you have odd motivation with Goldfinger, uh, Glenn, how'd you feel with the way the story was overall, the way it played out? I mean, uh, did you think it, did it keep your interest at all? It, at all or was it did it get a little flat for you at some points uh i don't know if it got flat at all pussy galore i think it kept my interest pretty well pussy galore and uh <laughs> i think there was enough story pussy galore that uh, kept you interested the whole way pussy galore <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i think i i like it i mean it's it's definitely a uh, a bit of a sign of its times mm -hmm. um you're you're you know even your actiony you know thriller type movies even in the 60s a lot of them are not by modern audience standards they'd be considered boring sure but i think this one still has enough going on where it's still a fun movie and you know and yeah you get enough classic well what is now you know classic bond i mean there it was you know new you know kind of the oh yeah the sean Connery guy is actually not bad kind of thing but yeah <laughs> um no i i think it's still fun mm-hmm yeah, Doc. Would how about you? Did you uh, would you agree that the story is is fun uh, with it? That it it doesn't really have too many lower points, even for a '60s film. I think it keeps moving, which is mm -hmm. one of its benefits. Uh, it changes locale a few times, so there's a certain level of travel log involved, uh, which I think was very. In, again, we keep talking about this being a, a period of. Uh, of its time. And I think mm -hmm. the travelogue part of it was very critical at the time. You see Miami, quote unquote, um, you see footage of Miami anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, you know, a chunk that's somewhere in England, maybe or not, wherever mm -hmm. the golf course is. I don't, I didn't quite grasp where the golf course was. Geneva. Um, I think it was. Ah, thank be. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then obviously there's a good chunk of it set in Kentucky more or less. <laughs> so, it has that benefit, you know, the, the Miami was a very, um, you know, fancy hotel. So there's that high life. It's that, uh, that playboy man style lifestyle that was promoted very heavily in this, in the late fifties, early sixties. So you got to see a little bit of the world. You got to see some action. You got to see some pretty girls. You got to see a few fist fights. And I think that was the main selling point for these films at the time was that you were going to see some interesting locales. Obviously they, in, in the other films, they go to different locations or at least you get location footage a, li a little bit of these other places. So it, it felt very international. It felt, it made the story feel very big. 
made it feel like you were seeing something important mm-hmm. uh, that was happening and this man was saving the world, you know, one sure. bad guy at the time. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's 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 there's a lot going on. It, you know, does that mean that there are stretches like like Glenn said that by a modern audience might seem a little long? Probably, maybe, but to be honest, the length of this film is about the length of a, uh, a drama slash thriller at this point in our sure. time too. So nothing's really changed in that regard. Yeah. It clocks in in an hour and 50 minutes. So yeah. there's actually, which surprised me. I was like, wow, I forgot that this film was this long. <laughs> so the only difference is now there would be like another 10 minutes of credits. So <laughs> look at it like now you're actually getting 10 more minutes of story that you wouldn't have gotten now at this point, dude, you'd have to see like the third and fourth assistant director and the, yeah. and the best boys and the grips and all that sort of thing that we don't really get in the, 60s credits so it's a bonus look at it as a bonus it is a bonus but we also in here get pretty much familiar faces that stay familiar faces not only through james bond uh, sean connery but some of these faces stick all the way through with almost every bond namely miss money penny played by lois maxwell who i think was bond uh, with money penny up until she passed away wasn't she doc same same with q i mean q mm-hmm. lasted up until what he turned he, he he handed over to john cleese and the only reason he left is because he died in a car crash yeah man, man was what 80 90 something and and was still well enough to make films except for the fact that he died in a car crash desmond llewellyn yep desmond llewellyn and what's also interesting is goldfinger Marks the first time he's actually referred to as Q. Really? I was not aware of that. Well, at least that's what he's actually credited the first two films. Well, it, I think he came on at uh, In Russia with Love. Okay. What Desmond did. There was one person playing the character, but uh, In Russia with Love and his character and that character he plays in Dr. No was actually known as Boothroyd. Okay. There was General Boothroyd and Boothroyd. This is the first one where we get Q, hmm. get him referred to as Q. Though we still get all the gadgets. Glenn, what'd you feel about Bond's gadgets in this one versus, say, later Bond films and his gadgets? Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the big thing is um, the car. Uh huh. True. I mean, the Aston Martin, which is just awesome. Um, I mean, it's got the, you know, it's got the, uh, the, what it's got the, the machine gun, you know, in yep. the headlights and mm-hmm. the oil. Yeah. And the smoke and the smoke. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, in the ejector much, scene. It's, it's pretty much what the spy hunter game. <laughs> yes. It's pretty much this car. I mean, pretty yes. much everything yes. is this. Totally. Um, but it's, yeah, it's. And the little spinny things that come out of the wheels. To the, 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 the tire yeah. slashers. And yeah. Yes. But this was also the first time, though, we got the Aston Martin, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 It, and then it kind of came. Because he wanted his Bentley again. And he could, no, no, no. You're getting the Aston Martin this time. <laughs> to which, Martin. which, according to trivia, Aust, uh, 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 Martin was a little bit leery of loaning two of their cars to James Bond film. Um, yeah, and their sales went up fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, and, and then they never had to pay for another car again to make a Bond film because everybody's like, "Here, who take mine?" 
<laughs> so, but yeah, there's a lot of lot of Bond firsts in this one, uh, which surprised me as well. You know, because I'm watching this going, oh wow, this is where this is where they all came from. Uh, I mean, they even had the bulletproof vest testing, and that that whole lab scene was like, you're like, okay, here's the Q scene. You you're pretty much waiting for it all mo- any james bond film now you're just waiting for the q scene i think because those are always the most fun uh, like his little tracking device that fit in his shoe yep <laughs> which i i got a little get smart feeling for that. <laughs> fair enough i thought i thought he was gonna pull it out and, and go uh you know uh control it like phone. <laughs> yeah 86 to control uh <laughs> Where's 99? Where's Hermie? We won't talk about where 99 is. <laughs> but uh, a little extra trivia for you folks about Goldfinger is this was the fastest grossing picture in film history at the time. So much, in yeah. fact, that it was uh, entered in the Guinness Book of World Records as the fastest grossing picture mm-hmm. in film history, which... Uh, again, 1964, this is pretty impressive. This is a time when you don't have mega multiplex theaters. A lot of theaters were only one screen. True. What do, you, what do they mean? Do you know what they mean by fastest grossing, though, like to make their money back? I I think so. Or okay. I, I believe that's that's what it's in context to. Okay. That's, uh, that, that's what made sense to me, but I, I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I, I didn't have it. I didn't have a chance to dig too far into it, but uh, from my understanding, yeah, it was the one that the fastest one to make its money back. So, uh, it, but even, I, bet it's, I bet you it still hasn't made a profit, though. <laughs> we are talking about a different studio system at the time. So. Uh, slightly. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> and also, other uh, trivia this is Steven Spielberg's uh, most favorite uh, James Bond film apparently. Um, so th- for those of you who are big Steven Spielberg fans, there you go. And yeah, this is, this is the third one and he would go on to do three more after this. But uh, I think Thunderball is the only one that made it a little bit bigger than this one. Uh, then after that, it kind of went <laughs> a little, cause I think they, they overdid it a bit. And then of course there's all the behind the scenes drama, which we won't get into too much with that. But yeah, I, I can see why Goldfinger is, is a lot of people's favorites. And uh, what we're going to do now is uh, ask my crew here, uh, if we haven't hit the topic yet, see if they have something for us uh, that they'd like us to discuss. So, uh, Glenn, let's go with you first. Were you able to uh, come up with a question or something that we haven't covered already? Not really. We've covered quite a bit of it. Um, I mean, I, I had things I was going to mention but we've already mentioned them primarily about like odd job and, and the stuff oh. on her black pin, but we've covered all of that. So well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess this is the question I would ask sure. of the, of the bond films. Mm-hmm. Uh, where would you rate this? Oh, good call. Doc, why don't you go first? I, I will admit rather freely, freely. Mm-hmm. I have not seen all the bond films. Rather. Well, you just, there's I'm only sorry. like 20 some. <laughs> I know. Um, I've seen maybe about a quarter or a third of them. Mm-hmm. I, I have, you know, both uh, 
I have a friend that's very much into them that knows them backwards and forwards. My dad was always very fond of watching them, certainly to the point where we weren't allowed in the living room when they were on ABC because they were too adult for us as children. <laughs> um, but then once I got old enough, it was like, come here, watch this part. <laughs> this is really cool. Um, so I would say this out of the ones that I've seen uh, with that context in mind, this is pretty, you know, this is, this is top tier, certainly mostly because it's, it, it, and a lot of it depends on what, what are you in the mood for? Bond has, at least in that regard, some variation. So if you're in the mood for something a little wackier or something a little more crazy, you've got a lot of the Roger Moore era. You've got a lot of the Pierce Brosnan era, certainly. If you want something a little more, I hesitate to use the word realistic, but comparatively so, I think this fits that bill rather well because, again, while Ari Goldfinger is not the crazy over the top villain. He's very obsessive. He's he he's a little unique, but he's not completely weird. So the story floats out in a rather normal fashion for the time period certainly. If you want something action packed and almost kind of serious with with a little bit of flair understanding that it's fun, this is this is a very solid film in that regard. So I'd I'd say it's pretty close to the top from the ones that I've seen at least. Yeah, I've I've actually seen I think almost all of yeah I've seen all of them. I uh, haven't rewatched most of them. Goldfinger is one I occasionally rewatch. It's it's in the top I would say in the top five for me, very near the top. Uh, not just because it was a lot of the first, but yeah, it was just. It, this is where it had found its feet, I think. And so for me, I think, yeah, I, I'd put it near in the top five for sure of Bond films out there. How about you, Glenn? Where would you uh, put it? Ooh, where would I put this one? Um, well, it's better than it's better than the living daylights. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would actually, I would rank this up pretty high. Um, <laughs> for me, this is, this is one of those kind of iconic uh, Bond films. If, if for people who are Bond fans mm -hmm. um, and have been, you know, from from the early days, I think you'll find this in probably the top one or two spot for most people who who are, are like big Bond fans. Um, I think Sean Connery set the standard for how all Bonds are measured, um, and I mean, obviously, you have uh, um, Lazenby, who was like he'll have to play it once. Um, and I still rank him pretty high. And Roger Moore's fun, but his bonds are completely different. Yeah, um, oh, they're boy. just they're, they're so much more goofy. Yeah. Um, and I think of of the classics. Um, I mean, I think the Connery ones are some of the best ones, uh, followed by the current ones, with with uh, um, Craig, Craig, Craig Daniel, uh, Craig. yeah. Daniel Craig, um, I mean, Goldfinger and From Russia with Love, I think, are the two best John Bond films, period. Mm -hmm. um, and then I get the Casino Royale and uh, Skyfall. Um, and then it's back to Con Connor again with uh, um, Dr. No and uh, You Only Live Twice. Um, the only the only uh, more one I would put in my top ten is probably The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, yeah. So. Good call. 
yeah, that's a good list. I I I would agree with it. That's uh, definitely a, a, this is one of the better ones in general out there, and that's a lot to say for a f- series that's gone twenty plus movies. I think it is twenty four. Uh, twenty four. Wow, that's impressive run for for anything. In Much fifty less. some years, you know, that's yeah. a long time with changing styles and everything. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, and uh, Doc, how about you? Did you have a question or a topic that we haven't already touched on that you maybe wanted to uh, bring to the table? I had a thought that popped into my head. I don't remember it, if it was before I started watching the film or, or knowing that I needed to bring a topic that just in general kind of came to me. Um, I don't know how weird this is, but the thought, the question or the topic was, do you, would you consider James Bond to be a superhero? Oh, Glenn. Huh. Um, kind of, I mean, I mean, if you, if you can consider Batman a superhero, who's just a dude with a lot of gadgets and knows how to fight, then in a way, yeah, I, I would say yes. He is because in in a lot of ways what he does is almost inhuman. True, I mean, the fact of you know all the things he does and and just how he always always gets out of every predicament. So yeah, yeah, I would agree that in in a way he is a superhero. He's he's not just a spy. He especially when you get into those films after Thunderball and as we mentioned the Roger Moore years, especially where. He, you know, things get even more kind of uh, just insane with Bond and what he can do and can't do, and how he gets out of things and and survives most situations people would never have been able to survive and get out of things. And yeah, his gadgets, sure, I, I, I'll call him a superhero. Sure, you, you, I think, I think if they weren't put, I think if you take the same character and instead of putting him in a suit. And drinking martinis in that, you put him in a uh, superhero outfit. Yeah, you, you still can do the same character in just a different outfit. And so I would call him, yeah, superhero as well. How about you, Doc? You consider him a superhero? I think in some ways he's an, he's the next stage from the cliffhanger serial heroes, mm. um, which most of which are in a lot of ways are superheroes or or considered to be superheroes to some degree. I mean, certainly we had Captain Marvel. It was Captain America. There was, there was the Lone Ranger, the, the Green Hornet. Um, so I think he very well fits into at, you know, for the early 60s, a modern of that time version of that character um, or that arc or that type, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that way, yeah, he's very definitely a superhero um, rooted in a reality of a world that had been in a giant war um, where men had to do very significant things, very weird things in some cases, very uh, devious things to some degree in order to make sure that their sides you know, won, won the conflict. Sure. And to some degree, women too, certainly, or don't want to you know diminish mm-hmm. what they did too because Ian Fleming's stories are based on the reality of what he and people he worked with experienced, just taken to a different scale. So sure. very definitely, yeah, this is, I, I would say he, he's not a superhero in the traditional sense, because as you note, he doesn't wear a costume. But 
but he's got the suit. You know, he's you know if if instead of yeah, you know, he very if he put on an iron suit, he's that close to being Iron Man. To be honest, mm. he, he's half a step away. He's got the money. He's got the 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 group behind him. He's got all the gadgets. The only difference is he puts on the cool suit, and you know that's not his Tony Stark era. That's that's his go to work business suit. You know? Right. But yeah, no, I I I think he is to some degree, and I think that's why we have Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. I think a lot of that is because of Bond. Bond created. A giant, giant, uh, just following, and and all these other stories and series and everything that followed in his wake because of how popular this t- this movie series was. Yeah, I could definitely see how it set the groundwork because people saw, oh, we can put a fairly over the top villain in a movie, and people will still come to see it. <laughs> Or he could do some things that other people can't, and and people will actually buy it, you know. And then, and, and I think we mentioned it earlier that these are a bit fanciful. These are a little bit of a fantasy for people, especially of that time, to escape. And yeah, it set the groundwork. I think not only for uh, the other Bond films that came after it, but also the other spy films in general or superhero characters in general. And you 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 think term superhero you think automatically the cape and, and cowl and you know uh, that type of thing but uh, they can come in many different forms and yeah i would definitely say that uh, bond is one of them so i think we'll wrap it up tonight uh james bond goldfinger is not a particularly deep film uh but it is an entertaining one and one that uh uh you know really set the groundwork for a lot of things afterwards so Right now, like we did with the other specials, but you can probably guess this time, it'll probably be a little bit different than our previous ones. We're going to ask our guests here if third time really was a charm with Goldfinger. And we'll start with Glenn. Glenn, is third time a charm with Goldfinger? Your final thought? Yeah, I absolutely think so. Um, I, I, I think it, this film solidified Bond as a, as a, as a something that would have legs to go on for a long time, um, and yeah, and Connor had really just nailed the role and said this this is who Bond is, um, and yeah, absolutely, third time is more than the charm. Excellent. And Doc, how about you? Your final thought and is third time a charm? I I would agree with Glenn. Uh, totally. This is this is kind of relocking into this. This is kind of remaking making himself to some degree the actor that he's going to be that where people think of him as Sean Connery. This is, this is bond. This is, yeah, no, this, this, no, third time is very definitely the charm as far as Goldfinger goes, I would say very much so. And I would say as well, third time is definitely a charm and it's still a charming film watching it now, even though you have some of the, you know, cards and that, and the, the, some of it, the way some of the subject matter and some characters are presented does make it a bit dated. Uh, but overall, for a Bond film, this is a solid Bond film that uh, is just a little bit above the norm. So you know that this is a movie, but at the same time, it's not over the top and Moonraker crazy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Had to go there, huh? I, I had to go there. I'm sorry. I just I, 
<laughs> I was trying to think of what's the most crazy pod filled. Eh, we'll go Mood Raker. What's the one where he's surfing down the uh, explosion with the Pierce Brosnan one? The bad CGI? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> whatever. But whatever. But uh, this not only set the precedent and groundwork, but has tropes that were exploited still today in spy films and James Bond films. And though uh, the character and the films change with the times, uh, this film is one of those that I think stands the test of that time and should be watched by anyone who likes the, especially the later Bond films, the newer ones. You can, especially if you're a big fan of Skyfall, Watch Goldfinger because, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you'll see a lot of similarities in where a lot of the references kind of come from. So so we're going to wrap it up here tonight. Uh, I just uh, want my guests real quick now to tell you where you can find them at when they're not here. Go ahead, Glenn. You can find me on YouTube with the B-Movie Bunker and Giant of Bunker Productions. You can also find me on Astro Radio Z. Uh, you can find me on the Adventure Party Podcast at gncast.com or just follow me on Twitter at Guy in a Bunker. Oh, Fantastic. And Doc, go ahead. Where can they find you at in Milwaukee? Uh, I'll talk fast as I can. It's my honor and my privilege to be part of the, the Boozy Bardians and perform with Shake, the Shakespeare Raw shows. In May 8th, 9th, and 10th, we'll be doing Coriolanus. We pick a name out of a hat, and we play a character at the beginning of the show. Those start at 7.30. They're at Best Place at 901 West Juno Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Last month, or actually this month, it's still April, uh, we did much do about nothing. I was Claudio, and I was also Benedict, so I got married twice in one week. That was an interesting <laughs> experience, to say the least. I'll also briefly, very, very, very briefly, pimp the Variety Hour, Happy Hours, Stars Wars 2, El Galactic Boogaloo that's happening May 5th and 6th at Comedy Sports at 420 South 1st Street in Milwaukee. Those are at 8 p.m., and those, I'm sure, will be funny, even though I am not involved in those shows. They're, the first one was hilarious. Um, so go find the Boozy Bar Productions on Facebook. Go find Variety Hour, Happy Hour. They'll be able to tell you more things. There'll be videos. There'll be other promotional things. And, Go watch some live shows if you have the opportunity and not, you know, movies are great. People in front of you saying silly things is that much more fun sometimes. <laughs> it definitely can be, especially uh, the guy, you know, comedy sports from when I was down there and we used to go and yeah, just live performances. There's something special about a live performance that people should experience every so often versus your uh, rather well edited stories. Uh, something can and usually does go differently than planned with a live performance, which makes it so much more fun. So thank you to my guests. Hope you've enjoyed the third times a charm Goldfinger episode. Uh, we are doing uh, something special in June. I'm not going to release it yet, but uh, you can check out the space, the special mark Facebook page to stay up to date on stuff as well as have your say at uh Facebook.com slash groups slash SMPRD. 
you go there, join the group. Uh, we'll let you in, and you can uh, have a say of what shows we do and such. And we also have the Facebook page, uh, Spoiler Room by itself, with specialmarkproductions.com, where you can find all the great episodes here, as well as on iTunes, where we ask you to subscribe, rate, and comment. It always helps us out. We appreciate you listening, folks. And now, say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs> okay, no, I'm I'm not her. I'm sorry. I just murdered that song. <laughs>